You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and fully loaded chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Oh, we're back, everybody. We're back for a new episode of the Michigan Life Outdoors podcast. Thanks for being here, as always. Oh, man. It's right there. We're right there for fall. It's about here. So I hope you guys are all getting prepared, you know, dialing it in, you know, whatever last minute gear tweaks you got to be doing and working out all the kinks because it's going to be here before you know it. And to get you pumped for this year, I have Jared Gordsma from the Fair Chase, formerly known as Boga podcast host, um, joining us on this episode. And, you know, I've got a big fuck up here in the beginning because I thought my good mic was on, but my good mic was not on. So I sound like the guest and Jared sounds like the host because he's got a really good mic on. And, you know, I feel like a rookie, even though I've been doing this for years. So that's my mistake. But I tweaked the audio a little bit and I think it sounds decent. And he does most of the talking anyways. So he's a great dude, and he gives a lot of great insight, um, not only on his backstory, how he got in, uh, but the success of the Boga podcast, which is now the Fair Chase. We get into saddle hunting, some upcoming hunts that he has this year. And you know what? It's just great to have another fellow Michigan podcaster on. And uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. So here's my new friend, Jared. Okay. So, um, well, first off, you know, Dude, thanks for joining the podcast. I'm talking with Jared Gorsma of the Fair Chase now, which is or was formerly Boga, right? Yes, that's correct. Little name change recently. Yeah, I can't wait to get into that. I got a couple questions about that. But hey, man, I just first off, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast to uh, spend some time with us. Absolutely, it should be. Uh, it's always fun getting on, you know, other other shows, other casts, and just you know, talking to other people. Cause sometimes, you know, other people have questions that sometimes we don't cover in our episodes and it's just, it's great to collaborate with other people and get to know them. And I'm sure it's vice versa. Yeah. And you know what else? It's great. It's great that, uh, it's a fellow Michigan podcast as well, because I, I take a lot of pride in being from the state of Michigan, which I know you do too. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, more of us popping up. You've been doing it longer than I have, but, um, yeah, it's just been really great. And, uh, you know, you guys have uh, been around for a while. So it's cool to, to share the wealth in the, the mitten state. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. I mean, I think a lot of people or a majority of the people that listen to my podcast are probably subscribers of your podcast. But just for the folks out there who maybe have not heard of you, who is Jared Gordsma? And let's give a little bit of your, your backstory. Sure. Yeah. So... Kind of like uh, what you had mentioned, I grew up in the Grand Rapids area my entire life. Um, 
just in a little town called Door, so it's south of Grand Rapids. Um, lived there, you know, all through high school and college, and that's when I really started getting into hunting. You know, everyone's got that backstory of you know where you started out hunting, and mine's pretty cliche, just like everyone else. My dad started taking me out hunting. Uh, we would go up to the Baldwin area, yep. which is kind of like the middle of the state, and you know, we would go up there for deer camp, rifle season, you know, hang out with all the guys and it wouldn't be too serious at all. Um, I'm pretty sure they did some beer drinking. I didn't really key in on too much, uh, but it's, it I mean, basically I was just walking around the woods, just having a good time. And then, you know, springtime would come around. We'd do the turkey season up there as well. Um, never really got one. I think actually when I was, I was actually my first time out turkey hunting up there. I had a buddy of mine who was sitting behind me calling in and he called in just a beast of a Tom and I had my shotgun perfectly on this gobbler's head. And for some reason I just didn't pull the trigger and he just walked away. (laughs) That was my first uh, experience turkey hunting. I just froze up on a big Tom and I still get crap for it now. But, um, yeah, after a little bit of that, I joined the Marine Corps for a couple of years got out, went back to school and then started getting back into hunting. Cause I couldn't really hunt while I was in. Um, I guess I did a little bit over in Virginia, but not as, not as hardcore as we were right now. And so once I got out and got back in back to GR, um, things really started picking up. I started doing a lot more public land hunting, um, running gun style. And finally, uh, James's brother, the co-host with me, James, his brother was like, man, you guys, you guys know enough about hunting. You guys should, you know, start a podcast and just start talking about hunting. Cause we know you guys love it. It'd be great to just hear the conversations you guys had. And we're like, eh, that doesn't really sound like us. And we debated it for a little while. And finally we both pulled the trigger and just started making episodes. I mean, yeah, if, I mean, if you listen to some of the first ones, they're just, awful we didn't really know what we were doing and after you know a couple of times just getting some episodes under your feet it just started you know like oh okay this is kind of fun and we started doing a little bit more we started getting some guests who we didn't even realize we could get on the show and it just kind of took off from there i mean i mean yeah go ahead no no i was gonna say i think i think that's what's great about you know folks like you and I are, you know, exactly the same thing. You know, I, I've got another podcast that I've been running now for three and a half years, which is a fishing podcast. And then, you know, we started up this Michigan life outdoors one a few months ago, but you know, I, I think that, you know, folks like you and your backstory are more relatable sometimes than the guys that have been doing it for so long, because more and more people are getting into hunting or, and, or, you know, there's listeners out there, like, you know, in our state of Michigan, where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of hunting that they talk about, but they can do it all the time. Or, you know, the industry, they get paid to do that full time. But then there's, you know, working class people like us just kind of, you know, able to relate more to, to our story and like how we got involved and, you know, how we spend our free time. And, you know, this is the only amount of money that we have to spend on gear. So I think your guys' podcast is super relatable to, you know, the average hunter, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, we actually, we, James and I joke around on that quite a bit. I, I mean, do you look at some of the more well-known, I guess we'll call them hunting personalities, like the born and raised guys or the hunting public. It's like, man, if I didn't have a wife and kids, right? I, I would be doing that 24 seven without a doubt, Sure, you know? And it's just, that's why I kind of envy the, uh, what are they called again? Oh, the working class. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great name. It is. It was. They got in that one early. That's a perfect one. That fits. That fits it so right. It's like it is tough sometimes to get out there. I mean, I had. I was talking with a couple guys at our church, and it's like, "Hey, man, you been out scouting yet?" I'm like, "No, I haven't. It's already through the summer, and I really haven't even been out there yet. I just haven't had time. You know, there's stuff to do at home, and there's stuff at work, and stuff with the family. You know, camping trips. It's like, God, the summer is busy right now, and it. I think it's just a the time in, in at least my life where hunting is still a priority and I still have a huge passion for it, but it is just, it's a, it's a commitment and it is sometimes just have to go and, and find time to do that. You know, I think, you know, the way I always think about it is, you know, obviously our kids, well, my kids are young. They're, you know, seven and five, 
not sure how old your kids are, but you know, we're not going to get these moments back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and to be around and, and to be present, I think that, you know, if you were on your, your deathbed, you'd have more regrets. If, if, if you had, you know, you're like, man, I hunted too much or I didn't get to spend as much time with my kids. But I don't think that, um, you know, when it came to hunting, you would, it looks like you're getting out enough is what I'm saying. It's, it, I, I think it's a great balance. You know what I mean? And that's, what's, that's, what's that balance that a lot of us have to try to figure out us as fathers or why, you know, um, mothers that hunt, things like that. It's like, we need our release too, but at the same time, you know, we've got to be present and that's why, you know, that content's more relatable. Yep. And there's, um, I'm a big Marvel nut and there's a good quote, I think in, was it Endgame? They said, no amount of money ever bought a second of time. Oh, that's true, man. You know, and that, I don't know why that, that quote always just hits home, but like when I'm doing this, it's always, there always comes, you know, there's always a negative side, whatever ying, there's a yang. Sure. The more time you take away from the family is less time, you know, you get to be with them, Right. but there's more time you get to be in the woods at the same time. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a, it's a happy medium. You just got to walk the line and. You know, if your priorities one way over another, then, you know, that's, that's you, man, go, go play that game. But, um, yeah, I, I completely agree. You need to be there. You know, you got to be that father figure or that mother figure. And at the same time, you need to go have fun. Getting back to how you grew up and you kind of said you guys went to a family cottage and things like that, or hunting land going up North and, you know, then you went into the Marines when you came back out what was the bug that kind of caught you? Did you grow up doing a lot of archery or you had talked about kind of like, you know, rifle camp or gun camp was some, did late, you know, did archery come later on in life? I have always been a bow hunter, like more than a gun hunter. Okay. Um, I guess the majority of the hunting that I would do would be up at, I guess when I really started getting into it, um, was up at, up near big rapids at james's cottage okay. there was some state land up there they had a little bit of private they could hunt but it was it was always packed on the weekend but that would be when things really started kicking off is when we really started pushing towards the the public land venture i guess you could say um just finding those big chunks of land starting to dissect them and then just you know making a play on those deer it was it's tough hunting up there especially back then um but no, I wasn't, I wasn't primarily just a bow hunter. Um, when gun season came along, for sure, I was taking out the boomstick and yeah. running around the woods Absolutely. just like everybody else. Um, but not, not until the, these last five, six years has it been really just archery heavy. Right. I grew up the same way. So, you know, growing up, I was always, I just felt more comfortable with a bow in my hand. Um, yeah. You know, I felt like I could go more places for some reason. And when I had a bow, I felt like I was less obvious. I don't know why I thought that it's just something in my head. I feel like when I'm carrying a gun around, I'm like, these deer know I'm everywhere, but you know, something, mm-hmm. something about bow hunting, you know, you feel more primitive, kind of more stealthy and things like that. I've always loved, you know, bow hunting something I still enjoy today. So I, I, I can totally relate to that. Man, if you, if you really want to feel that, uh, I hate to give it away, but that traditional feeling. Yeah. Try going out with a traditional bow. I did that for a year just to try it out. You know, I, I sold my compound, oh. went full went full trad just because, you know, if you have that camp, that compound either hanging inside or outside in the garage or something, you know, there's always that little voice in the back of your head that's like, man, I could just take that compound out right. and, and just reach another, you know, 20, 30 yards and be a little bit more lethal. But, man, that was – that helped change – how I hunt just, just because of the, you know, the, the range you got to bring the deer in the dedication you have to have to practicing every day. That's what, I mean, that's ultimately what killed it for me is just, again, coming back to the time aspect, not having enough time just to get out there and, and concentrate on my, my shot sequence. But if you were ever wondering about that or wanting to try it, I would, I would totally say try. Cause it's just a different experience and a different feeling than having walking around with compound. Sure. And I think, you know, a lot of guys that has been, have been doing it for so long are guys and gals bow hunting. If they're looking for another challenge, why not switch it up and do something like that? It can keep you, yeah. you know, it's a good refresh button, maybe keep you engaged again. Like 
if you're someone that likes to set goals and push yourself to do more and more, uh, I mean, treadmills have really taken off. I feel like in the last five years or so becoming more and more popular. Yeah, absolutely. I know James, James is belly deep. Actually, he's at neck deep in that trad game right now. So it's actually a good dynamic. He can talk about trad and I'm like, whatever, man, go do your trad, man. I'm going to go shoot some deer. What about archery with uh, Turkey? Have you done that? I did. Yeah. The last, um, two years I've strictly been hunting turkeys with a bow and that's actually been a lot of fun. And, you know, we'll get flack sometimes where it's like, man, you should just use gun. You can, you know, kill them more lethally. And it's like, you know what? I've put two turkeys down now, two years in a row. And it's, it's really no different. You know, some guys will go just for headshots. I'm, I can hit a body shot and the, the same thing. You're just hitting about the same size as the vitals of a deer. Right. As long as you get an arrow in it, I mean, you can, you pretty much can track it down and, and, uh, and put it down pretty lethally. That's something I want to do next year is with the bow, because this year, you know, opening day for Turkey, I sat down in my blind, got everything ready. I actually had my camera out, got everything set up and the turkeys came in like right away and I shot and it was done. My season was over. <laughs> I know. Right. And it was like in the first, you know, I'm not, trust me, I'm not bragging when I say this, I'm no like expert Turkey hunter, but it was done within like 12 minutes. I mean, my coffee was still steaming and coming up hot. And I'm like, <laughs> shit, it's over. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what? That's a good problem to have. It is. I would not argue against that. That's, that's all. But anyway, so the thought went through my head. I'm like, next year, I'm going to take my bow out. I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like maybe that shot would have been perfect, but you know, I could at least be more patient, make sure the turkey set up the way I want to, to you know, and challenge myself a little bit more with the bow. So that's cool, man. How is, um, how has the public land thing been for you? Oh, that's been a ride, man. It is. I, I guess we just, we love it. Like there's not, there's nothing that gets us going more than up just a public land backcountry hunt. Right. I don't know. Why some people are like, I ain't going to mess with that. There's too many guys out there. And it's like, no, that like we welcome it. We lo- welcome the challenge to be able to put our woodsmanship skills to the test. Absolutely. Yep. And it's, it's, it's a challenge. You are, you, I mean, you're pitted against everyone else on that land. You got to be smarter than them and smarter than the deer. And especially with, you know, the, the boom of, of podcasts, there's a lot of people listening to, I guess, more intelligent people than I am. And they're getting some awesome information that they're able to glean and just go take out in the woods and, and you can, anyone can go and do it. So it, it, it's getting more difficult, but at the same time, there are still a lot of people having success on these public land hunts. Absolutely. The, the thing just a question that I have, you know, obviously everyone wants to get a mature quote unquote big buck, right? When you go on the public land, at least for me, when I, when I harvested my buck off of public, it felt more, um, earned if that makes sense. Yeah. Nope. I get yep, like, absolutely. I hate saying that cause it's not, I'm not saying like people don't earn their deer on private land, but you know, for the hunting pressure that's, as you know, in the state of Michigan, even if you've got, you know, 20 or 40 acres of land, a lot more people are hunting the same deer that walk on your land. Because as you know, there's a bow hunter or a deer hunter every, you know, in the fall time, there's trucks all lined up and down the road roads in decent spots. So I feel like, you know, when we go on the public land side of things, you know, if it's, you know, a mature, what we consider a mature eight point might not be the biggest thing in the world or the hugest thing or a six point or whatever it is. But, you know, if you hike two miles back and you've been putting in your time out there and things like that, I just felt like when that is probably to date, the most memorable buck that I've, that I've taken. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I couldn't agree more with that statement. It is, I don't know what it is, but just, you know, you, you're pitted against everyone else and you, and when you get it done, it just feels so good. Right. And it's not to go against, you know, private land hunters. Cause I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to have some private land where I can, you know, have food plots and, and pretty much manage, uh, a, a habitat, you know, make a, make a habitat worth hunting and, you know, grow food plots and have set stands where I can, you know, just climb up. Now, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. I would, and I would love it. And I, I don't downgrade anybody who does that. You know, it's a, there are so many different ways and, and methods of hunting that, we all just need to be hunters together and, and get along. But 
Um, some people enjoy different styles than others. And for us, it's, it's the public land game. And yeah, having, having that opportunity and a shot on a buck that you've, you know, you've kind of planned out and kind of maybe scouted a little bit and just went in after it just feels so good once you, once you get it done. Mm-hmm. And Michigan's a great state just to start your own adventures. Like that's what I like too about public land is like, it's not just something that's out your back door on the family farm or something that you've been going to for years. It's like every time you step out in a huge chunk of public or things like that, you're exploring new areas. It's almost like you're in state, you know, little adventure that you can kind of start to make your own and fail at certain points where, you know, and learn along the way and, and brand new public land or, topography that you've never hunted before you know if you're used to hunting flatland downstate you know you go up north and you know now you're hunting little mini ridges and things like that deer behave differently and i think the evolution for you as a hunter to evolve and pivot in different situations public land opens that opportunity up significantly oh absolutely i mean you're not i don't want to say stuck but you're not you're not solely dependent on one type of terrain right you know you're not stuck just hunting those agri ag fields or um, the creek bottom that you have land on. It's you've got to be able to adapt to the different terrain, and you know if it doesn't work out, then you know you've got some experience under your belt, and you can use that now on a different place. Right. And it just it just all flows together, and it just act, to me, I I really do believe it makes you a better hunter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, the topography and the the weather is you know, sometimes significantly different, you know, just a two hour drive North than it is where you're at. So, you know, to be able to, to adapt that and growing season of crops and everything like that, it's just, it's awesome. And I think anybody listening to this, the state of Michigan, I mean, your, your opportunities are endless. We're fortunate to have a good chunk of, you know, public lands that are accessible to us. Oh yeah. We are, we are blessed with the amount of public land that we have here. I mean, you go, you start looking at even Indiana and there's just like little chunks here and there where if us, we've got, I don't know, an eighth of the state is national forests and state forests and mm-hmm. game areas. And it, the, the amount of public land that you can hunt is endless. Really. What about, you know, I've noticed that in the last year, maybe it's a year and a half or so you've kind of switched over to saddle hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to get into that a little bit because as folks listen to this, there's so much content out there about hunting public land, different running gun setups and things like that. I'm traditionally on the lone wolf side of things. Um, sure. You know, it's something that a system that I've dialed in and it's comfortable to me. But if I see more and more people talk about this saddle hunting, I really feel like I'm missing out on something. So if <laughs> someone like me listening to this, almost, yeah, exactly. Big time. Someone like me listening to this, let's say they have a running gun setup, or let's say they just got a climber setup, you know, whatever the traditional style, quote unquote, running gun. Why would it be worth our time or why should we consider a saddle? Ooh, that's a good question. You got to convince me. You got to sell me on it. <laughs> I'm not a good salesman, but I'll do my best here. Okay. Um, I used to be in that position. I used to have a summit open shot, one of the real light ones. Uh, I was a climber and I would take that thing out all the time. You know, I would, you know, public land spot. I'd have a pin that I'd go to throw it on my back or on the, along the rest of my pack. I'd hike out there. And the one thing that I was finding and that I wasn't appreciating is the, how do I, it's gotta be a good word to put this, but I can't think of it, but the, the number of trees, I guess, that I could get in are very limited. I was limited in the amount, in the ways that I could, I guess, ascend into a tree. Okay. Um, and yeah, I just found it real difficult because I would find a really good spot, maybe on like a main, just off like a main trail or down one of a bedding area. And there'd be nowhere to hang this climber. I'm like, sheesh. Now I got to either back out of there, you know, go try to find maybe another spot. Um, or I'd have to sit on the ground, you know, ditch the climber and maybe go find a deadfall or, you know, sit up under a stump or something. And that just really started bugging at me. And then another time when I was actually up in a tree, I probably wasn't the smartest thing, but I would, there were times I would hardly ever use a, a tree harness. So, <laughs> I mean, okay. I'd, be up, I'd be up in a climber and all of a sudden that climber would s- slip down maybe an inch and it just, you know, scare the crap out of me a little bit. But it's just, 
like, man, I'm just up in a tree, untethered, moving around. And it was just not, not very comfortable. So I'm like, let's, I think I'm going to try something new. So finally, you know, we're, we're buzzing around on forums and, you know, talking to different people in the industry and like, man, you guys should really try out these tree saddles. I'm like, what the heck is a tree saddle? So they finally show me and it's like, oh, that looks kind of interesting. So we pulled the trigger on it and we get it. And it's like, what in the heck did I just get myself into? You know, there's like straps everywhere. It's got to go up under my legs and over my waist. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, how do I even get up in a tree and get situated? And so that now I'm scouring YouTube videos and trying to figure out, you know, how to piece this thing together. And I know I keep talking down on it, but after I got the hang of it, it made total sense on why everyone's switching over to it. Well, and what was your learning curve on it? You know, the, I get asked that a lot and there is a learning curve. It is, there is a system of, you know, carabiners and ropes that you got to do. But after watching a few YouTube uh, videos, it's not that hard. Okay. There's like one or two that I watched then went in the backyard and climbed up, you know, five feet tethered in. And that was it. You know, he, I just picked a tree in the backyard and went up, you know, once or twice a couple of nights and maybe on like a Saturday morning, if everyone's still sleeping, I'd go out there and climb up. And after a few times, I mean, you get the hang of it pretty quick. It's not, rocket science by any means i mean if james can do it anyone can really do it um <laughs> i'm so glad he's not here and i can just take shots at him oh, i'm sure well hopefully he listens to this and he'll have his opportunity to come on to <laughs> rebuttal no but after after getting the hang of it and figuring out the process of how getting up i mean there's just there's so many good benefits um safety being number one um the second that you are leaving the ground you are, you're attached to the tree right. all the way up and all the way down. I mean, I think there's stats out there that there's like around like 6,000 hunting accidents for hunters every year. And 50% of those are tree stand related, okay. either fall out or slipping. And that's, that's a big number. And that's something, I mean, going back to the family aspect, I mean, I've got a wife and kids at home and I don't want to have her get a phone call that, Hey, your husband just fell out of a tree and now his back's broken, you know? Right. So safety was number one for me. Just knowing that as soon as I'm up there, I mean, I'm, I'm good to go. You can swing around and do it. You can't really fall out of these things. I mean, you can watch videos of guys, you know, doing flips or like doing twirls or, and they're not falling out. And that was a big selling point for me, at least. Um, another big one was the weight. Uh, these things are maybe two pounds as opposed to like 15, 20 okay. of what you're putting on with a, you know, with a tree stand on your back. Um, I like pushing in deep to these public land spots and having a big clunky metal stand on my back was just not cutting it for me. And so with these saddles, when I get out of the truck and start suiting up, the last thing I put on is the saddle, you know, it goes over top of everything that I'm wearing and I just wear it out to the tree. It's like not, it doesn't affect me moving at all. I can still hop over logs. I can, you know, get through brush just fine. And that was a, that was another big one. Um, yeah, the, the, I mean, besides the straps, I mean, obviously that looks something that could be intimidating for people and might, oh, sure. might shy away from, but you know, to have that just little platform on your back, three or four, what sticks to climb up the tree and then, you know, when you're strapped in, um, you know, as light as lone wolves are and my setup that I have going on, I would love to be lighter. You know what I mean? I really would. It, it, it would be, like you said, less cumbersome, a lot less um, noise maybe going into your spot, even though we try to control the noise as much as we can um, mm -hmm. with our setups. But it's something that I think um, a lot of people should try out, especially if, uh, let, let me ask you this. Have you done the lone wolf thing prior to going to this? I've never done a hanging hunt. Okay. I can honestly say I've never, yeah, I've never taken a tree stand out, put it in. Okay. And I can't, took it. and I can't really say that it would be, but in my mind, I have the same thing. So I've got carabiner set up. We've got, you know, I've got my lineman's belt and anybody listening to this, the lone wolf setup, you know what I'm talking about. I got to imagine if you're already at this point, 
the transition might not be as bad as we think to go nope. over to the saddle because it's going to be super similar to what we have, just a smaller platform and then you're hanging rather than sitting. Yeah. I mean, you still have to figure out how to get your bow up there. Okay. You have to figure out how to, you know, hang the sticks halfway up the tree. Um, but other than that, if you can hang a platform up there, you can hang one of these mini platforms. It's the same thing, just smaller. Okay. And then your, your system of getting up and down the tree are practically the same. Okay. So it's mainly just figuring out the saddle, how you're going to have everything attached to it, where you're going to, you know, put your pair. I've got a few carabiner clips and, you know, zip pouches and I've got a gear hoist on there. And it's, yeah, if you can do a hang and hunt, these saddles are practically the same things, just less weight. What brand do you use? Uh, we're currently using the Trophy Line. Trophy Line, okay. Tree saddles, yep. Okay. We like them. They came out with the uh, blah, 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 the Ambush Light, which I actually think they just dropped the Ambush Pro, okay. which I believe, I think it just has a camo pattern on it, maybe a few ex- little extras in there. But, I mean, these things are solid. They, I mean, there's that's the thing, though. There's so many good saddles out there. Uh, if you want to use Tethered or if you want to use, you know, Michigan local guys, uh, Latitude Outdoors. Okay. They've got they've got a really, really nice saddle. Okay. Um, just get your hands on one and try one. I've had uh, actually a friend come over and just try it out in the back of the tree before he decided to pull the trigger on it and actually let him borrow one of my platforms. But he's like, dude, I want to I want to try saddles. And I'm like, well, just find someone to just try it out. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, you don't have to drop all the money on it. If you don't like it. So just, if you know someone who has one, or if you guys want to come on down here, you can try mine out. You know what I mean? Right. Just, it's, it goes back to the, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, if you like the hang and hunt and that's your style of doing it and it works for you, just, you know, stick with it. It's working for you. But if you want to try something new and something that uh has a little different feel to it then man these these saddles are they're sweet i don't think i'll go back to a, a climber or a hang and hunt yeah man i got that fomo like you said i'm i, <laughs> I feel like i'm missing out on something and you know I, well you're missing out if we're gonna say it, you're missing out. okay i'm missing out let's just put it out there i'm, I'm missing out big time <laughs> so yeah it's been something that you know i i always ask people's opinion about it and i've never heard a thing where it's like, eh, it's not that big or it's, it's overhyped or every single person said what you just said. I don't think I would ever go back now that I got this thing dialed in. You know what I mean? Yep. And kind of going back to the, the adaptability when you're out there, like you can get up in any kind of tree and I'm sure you can probably do it with a hang and hunt too, but it's, I mean, I've seen guys get up in trees like, I don't know, like a fist diameter, like a four inch diameter. It's like, it's, it's really cool that the, the terrain and the, just the mess you can get in when these stuff, like if you're out in the marsh and you see this, like that one little tree, oh, sticking yeah. up, like yeah. you can get, you can get up in there. Like you're just going to tether in and you just stay there. And actually, I don't know if it's just me, but I, I like to think I look more like a tree branch sticking out than just a 90 degree thing oh you know what i mean yeah that's an interesting perspective i like that yeah because like when you're hanging at that 45 you're more it's a more natural look than like again i come back to the 90 degrees because nothing in nature goes to a perfect 90 degrees like a like a steel steel tree stand does and i always try to tell people that um especially when they're trying to like find out how to conceal themselves mm-hmm. just conceal those 90 degree angles and it, it helps out a lot to blend you in but um yeah i like i like to think i look more like a, a big old tree trunk out there so maybe i'm just dumb but that's what i think what about maneuverability once you're up in the tree stand with the bow in your hand it's limitless okay i mean as soon as you get up there and, and feel it and feel the swing it's it's something that you can't describe until you're up there doing it it doesn't like in your mind like you don't feel like less comfortable taking the shot or drawing back or anything like that like it just for some, some Not, something you feel comfortable nope. resting okay good yep like it, i've heard guys say oh well doesn't that the bridge you know kind of get in the way of your draw the bridge is the the strap that comes up kind of from your waist up towards your chest mm-hmm. and that's what attaches to the tree okay 
I've had no issues with that just because say, I mean, obviously you're going to be facing the tree. Say that deer's coming off to your left. You know, you've got your bow already on your left side. Mm -hmm. And when you draw your string is nowhere near your bridge. Okay. That, that, that draw is, it's just the same as where, if you were on a tree stand or on the ground or whatever. And if, you know, that deer tends to come someplace different, you just slowly kind of swing around to the other side and you can, you can make a play at any of them. I've done shots to my strong side, which is shooting to my nine o'clock. Right. I've done them to my, you know, my weak side shot where this does take a not really a lot of practice, but just the feel of it where you kind of, you turn counterclockwise. Okay. Pulling around, but then you can, you can still pull your bow back pretty easily. It's nothing that's going to hinder you in any way. Okay. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to hopefully I take the leap here soon. Um, you should. I recommend it. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I just, it, it'd be nice to get, you know, talk to some, some people and maybe try those out first to, to kind of see, you know, what fits me. But like I said, I think I've got a pretty good handle on it now that, you know, I've been living in carabiners and lineman ropes the last three years. So, yeah. like I said, if you want to, you want to come on over and try it out on a night or something, you're more than, more than welcome to. We can set that up. Yeah. I might have to take you up on that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to talk about the name Boga. Where did that come from? <laughs> oh man, we've been asked this quite a bit. Um, it's an interesting play on words. It, it is. And, uh, it's actually a pretty dumb way of why we found it out. Um, so James's wife a couple years ago was really into the yoga kick and she goes, all right, I'm taking off to my yoga class. And James goes, all right, see ya, honey. I'm not going to do my Boga. <laughs> and light bulb went off and he goes yep so we went to instagram no one had the uh no one had the tag yet and so we we took it and we haven't looked back the only the only thing that we've been getting uh, a lot of people think we're from georgia with the bow ga oh really i didn't think about that at all yeah we've been a lot a lot of guys have been asking us like we uh we had donnie vincent on uh, a couple years ago and he goes, Oh, I'm so glad you guys aren't from Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're just, we're just kind of running with it. And so whenever people ask about the name, we just say, Hey, yeah, we're, we're from Michigan. We're not from Georgia. Um, but really it was it, the whole, the whole brand started out as just a, a place where we could just post and collect our hunting pictures. Right. And we we're just posting them on Instagram and we just posted them under Boga and then Boga became, you know, like Boga hunting and we were the Boga hunting podcast and man, we, we still do a lot of things with bows, but now with the fair chase, uh, which we just recently rebranded to, um, we just feel like it fits our identity a little bit more with that, the, the public land style and just going out and getting it done against, you know, the animals in their environment. And, um, it's just worked. People have been very receptive to it. They love it. Um, we love it. And it's just kind of opened up a little bit more opportunities to explore, you know, just different hunting that we can do now that we're not really tied down to a, a bow related, um, brand. Mm -hmm. We can start, you know, exploring out to help people out in different, different genres. So it's, it's been going good and we're, we're not looking back. No, man, I dig the name. Um, you know, it was interesting to watch. Uh, I was kind of sitting back just to seeing how the rebrand would go. Um, not that you would visually see pushback or anything like that, but, um, you know, you guys had kind of been alluding to it on social for a little while. And, um, when you came out with the name, I thought it was really cool, cool logo, all that kind of stuff. And like you said, the, the fans or the people that have been following along have been receptive to it. And mm -hmm. I think, I think it's a great name. That name took longer than you would expect. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> if you think about it, it's a, like you got to hit a home run on it. Like if you're going to rebrand, you've got to nail it. You can't just be like, oh yeah, we'll be this. And then two months later, like, oh, we should really be this. So it took a long time to get everyone on board. And we came up with some, some, just some crazy names, but names that were like, yeah, I could get behind that. But ended up not, we, we decided on the fair chase just because, or if you think you got a cool name, you go out there and that shit's taken. You're like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> and we did, you know, we didn't want to be the run of the mill, you know, skull crusher. Or, right. Uh, I hate to call it a bone collector, but right. still, I just, yeah, you know, just we didn't want to be that style. You know, we wanted to hit home on, on more than just the, just antlers. You know what I mean? Well, I gotta imagine too. It's like building your your platform or your foundation on one name that was, was so catchy with the Boga, you know, to make that leap to change and rebrand has got to be a little bit scary too, at the same time in a way where it's like, you know, is this the right thing to do? And Oh yeah, that definitely, I mean, that's, that went through all of our heads at one point um, during the discussion. There'd be times that I'd be like, guys, I don't really know if we should do this right now. We're kind of, we've got a good name out there. People are starting to, catch on to this and it's like does it make sense to rebrand why don't we just you know do x y instead of z and Mm -hmm. b you know yeah and then you know the next week you know james would be like man i kind of agree with you and that by that time i'm like no man i'm i'm all on board for this let's let's go full steam ahead and it was it was actually kind of fun uh but stressful at at times because there was a lot of a lot of change we had to do on the back end before we could actually you know release it to the public saying yes we're we are now known as, as the fair chase now. So it's been, it's been a little stressful for 2021, but we're, we're happy to, to have had it uh, announced and have it behind us and we can just keep moving forward. How is the, the um, this is like a cliche term and I don't even know what it really freaking means, but <laughs> the industry, the hunting industry, how has it fared for you guys or being more involved? Because I mean, you guys have 15,000 followers on Instagram. I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, that's the end all be all is how many followers you have, but you guys are looked to in the field or looked up to, um, you know, people are listening to what you're saying. How has that, has that shaped you at all or changed anything? Or was there anything that you're like, wow, I didn't know it was like this once being quote unquote in the industry, like any thoughts or comments on that? At first, um, when we first started, like when we first started podcasts, we're like, no one's going to listen to this crap. Right. You know, we're just a bunch of dudes sitting on here, you know, blabbing around, not really knowing what we're talking about. But um, once we found out that we actually started getting a, like a following and people were like, oh, yeah, you guys make a lot of sense. It's like, well, now we got to get our crap together and really start and learning. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding on that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it um it goes back to the old age that you know the the best student is a teacher. You want someone to learn something, make them teach other people. Right. You know you have to be so you have to be engaged with that content enough to be able to teach somebody, and that's what's really helped us grow. Is you know, um I might not have known how to to skin a bear this past winter. Uh, when we went out um, down to West Virginia and, and hooked up with the untamed and went out bear hunting, like I started talking with James. I'm like, what, how do I even skin this thing? So that's, you know, you, you teach yourself how to do these things so that you can help teach other people. Sure. And that's, that's the biggest thing that we have learned through this, this podcast, especially is that the great thing about it is we can go to these industry leaders and these people, um, more experienced than us, like Dr. Grant Woods, we had on from Growing Deer TV. And that, that man is just such a wealth of knowledge that we're able to just glean so much information from them and then pass it along to everyone else. Right. And that's, that's what we found about the hunting industry is everyone's so happy and willing to help one another learn and to be better hunters and to just pass off that the tradition of hunting. And that's, and that's really, it's what it's all about. And that's, that's what we found. It's, it's just a great community. You know, I agree with you. I, um, the fishing side of things on my other podcast that I've been doing, you know, like I said, for a number of years, the, when I started reaching out to the, the bigger names and stuff like that, I was like, man, I'm just throwing out fucking Hail Marys here. Like, I don't, I don't know. They're not going to get back to me. And when they were getting back to me and they're like, yeah, what, what, what day works for you? I'm like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it, but it was really good because you can have those open conversations with you and they are, yeah, like the ones that you see on TV and things like that, I'm sure they have an agenda, right? I, like they've got to talk about certain things and I'm sure they got to put together a show. There's a lot of pressure, but I think they like coming on podcasts sometimes just to shoot the shit with someone. Like if you're at a trade show with them or like you said, in your garage and just hanging out um, or at a trailhead and they, they're more than willing to share 
a majority of information or answer a majority of their questions to the best of their ability. And they're pretty damn honest about it too. And it's been super eye opening, and, you know, it just makes me, it makes me happy that, you know, this, this lifestyle that I've grown up doing fishing and hunting is exactly what, you know, for the most part, uh, my fellow um, hunters and, and anglers, what I thought they were like, it's a, it's a, it's a camaraderie, a community of people who love the outdoors and, you know, trying to help each other out. It's pretty cool. Yep. I couldn't agree more. There's a lot of good people out there. And like I said, they're, they're there to, to help you. And if they're not, then you chose the wrong guest. Right. <laughs> you know, we, we've had a few of those where it's like, okay, we only want to talk. So we'll just a little quiet know, and crickets. That's <laughs> with you for a little bit. And, you know, but no, we've been, it's been an awesome ride and these there's been so many good people out there every every person that we've talked to every group that we've been introduced to have been have been awesome and uh, you know you can't really ask for any more than that it's just to be a, a good student at times and and then to be a teacher at times yeah absolutely um one last thing and i'll let you go what trips do you have planned this this fall we're, we're it's starting to feel like fall tonight i don't know about how it is in grand rapids but man it's a little chilly i could throw on like a long sleeve today for the first time in like four weeks i could too i've got a, a window actually about six inches behind me and there's a little cool breeze kind of just coasting in here and it's starting i'm starting to get a little ruddy oh yeah dude uh, <laughs> we james and i um will usually plan something you know a year or two out and this year we have decided that we are going to North Manitou Island um, oh, oh. off the coast of Sleeping Bear. Oh, yeah. And we're, doing, we're doing a hunt up there. Holy shit. Is that a special tag or draw or anything? So there, the, Michigan does have a special hunt, and I believe it is... I believe it's the first week in November. Okay. At, I don't know if it's a lottery system for that tag, but I think the past few, past few years they've almost hit their quota on it. And I'm sure with the more we're talking about it, they're going to hit it even faster now. But, um, the tags do not count against your state tag. Okay. And you can bring any weapon. You can bring a firearm, you can bring a crossbow, you can bring a bow. Oh shit. Yeah. And they'll, I believe they ferry you out there on, I think a Sunday and they're going to pick you up on Saturday. So the Island is, I think, eight miles by four. I could be completely wrong, but somewhere around those dimensions. And it's probably as Northern Michigan as you can get. Yeah. So and it's a ruddy time of year. Yes. Yeah, so, so we're, we believe it. We're going to go a week before that hunt. Okay. Uh, we've got a boat and a, a captain set up to, to charter us out there. Um, so we're hoping to hit that, that pre rut. Cause usually up that far North is usually about two weeks before us mm -hmm. in terms of, of rutting activity. Yeah, I would agree with that. So if we're expecting the rut to kick on around, you know, November 10th, usually like it usually does every year or November 15th, um, we're, we're hoping to time it just right where we can be there right during the, the pre-rut and get on some, some bucks. And we've, we've heard good things about the area. We've started to get some good intel from some people who have been there and, and have done it and have been successful and i've heard the stories of of some of the the bucks that are on there because they're not i mean they only get hunted you know one week out of the year it's not like some of the public area public land areas down here there's some there's some old bucks on the island and we've seen some pictures on it i mean you can you can google north manitou island bucks and you can you can see them so we're we're hoping to do that we're going to bring out a camera crew um, and we're going to kind of document the whole thing. So it, it should be a good little time. We're, we're probably going to release it, the uh, video either early spring or maybe a little sooner. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's the shit I was talking about earlier. It's like the state of Michigan, little adventures like that. Like that is a little adventure that you guys can go on and still feel like you're not in the state of Michigan anymore. Kind of like, yep. you know, new territory. I mean, when you're on an island for God's sakes. So it's, it's something where, you know, it's not getting a lot of activity and uh, that's gonna be really cool, man. It's super unique. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of been our our little kick the last few years is just going on, going. We label it as having an adventure in your backyard. So like, not a lot of people knew about this hunt before, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like you said, it's a very unique hunt. And we just want to show people that you know you don't have to go and spend five, ten grand on you know a guided hunt in Alaska or you know somewhere on 
somewhere up up north in Canada or you know you can you can find these little pockets where it's it's very similar where you're going out and you're 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 putting you know you're getting your boots dirty you're hiking out and you're you're getting out into that backcountry and hunting these animals and you know a couple of years ago we went over to Wisconsin and went up into the oh what was it called the driftless area so the driftless area is where when the glaciers pushed down and made the Great Lakes, they didn't actually touch this area. So there's sections of Wisconsin that are almost mountainous, not not quite like Rockies mountainous, right. but still large, large hills, I guess you could call them. They call them, I think they call them mountains. The mountains to it's us just, in Michigan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, we're hiking up these hills. It's like, holy crap, I'm not going to make it up. You know, we're just flatlanders. Right. It's just little things like that where you can you can experience these things in very close proximity of you know the Great Lakes State, and it's just been it's just been fun finding them and then sharing people. Hey, you guys should go try this area. It's a lot of fun. Or you know, go over here. You can you can really dig into this if you're interested in it. So it's been it's been fun. We're we're really excited this year to uh, to get up on the island. Yeah, man, I'm gonna look forward to that. Uh, that's cool. You guys are bringing cameras and documenting the whole thing. That'll be cool to see. I think that'll yeah. be something that a lot of people, even us Michiganders that live here, you know. I've never set foot on the island. I fished around them all the time when I lived in Traverse, but you know, to, to be set foot on them and walk around, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. We're, we're pumped to do it. We're going to be uh, going up there with the, the hunt wise crew. who is also local here in Grand Rapids. So it should be good. I'm excited. Well, cool, man. Well, one, I just want to say again, thanks for coming on the podcast Two, Yeah. Um, obviously tell people your handles and where they can follow along to, uh, to follow more about you and James. Yeah, absolutely. For uh, again, thanks for having me on. It's always, like we said, it's always great to get it introduced to different people, other shows, other personalities within the hunting industry. It's good that we can collaborate and get together, and, and of course, talk a little bit of hunting. And yeah, if you guys want to uh, follow along on what we're up to, uh, we've are mainly on Instagram uh, at the at the Fair Chase. That's where we've got most of our content rolling through. Um, I have my personal page, which is at Jared Gortzma, all one word. I'll post on there some of the other stuff if you want to follow along me personally. Okay. And then we also have our YouTube channel, which is the Fair Chase, where we're trying to, you know, show people, you know, like ultimate saddle setups and uh, layering systems, just different content that we'll throw out there. We also have our website, which is, again, thefairchase.com. Um and that's where we'll do some blog posting of most of the stuff that either we've learned or we've learned from others. Uh, and also we'll drop, you know, like a few recipes on there. So it's good little content to check out. If you're ever looking for something new to read or to check out, you can come, uh, come check us out. Yeah. I'd like to get you and James back on maybe halfway through the season and see how you guys are doing. Maybe just a quick follow-up or, you know, what, yeah. what you guys are doing. It'd be cool to, you know, around different corners of Michigan to see how everyone's doing throughout their season. So Hopefully we can oh, yeah. get both of you guys back on here someday. Oh yeah, we're we're definitely down for that, James. We'll get him back here and we'll we'll make that happen. All right, buddy. All right, well, everyone, that's uh, check out the fair chase and uh, Jared. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. And good luck this season. Awesome. Thanks, guys.